Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, Edgar the Peaceable. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello. Hello. Caught you off guard. Yeah, I'm back. I'm here. Uh, welcome to Rex Factor again. Rex Factor. So we're yeah. first, if you're first joining us, is where we review every king and queen from Alpha the Great to Elizabeth II. It's a lot like a game that sounds like fop bumps. Fop. Oh yes, yeah. I see. See. What so we've there. got uh, some categories. So we rate them, give them ten points each, and. Uh, and then decide whether they've got that certain quality yeah. that makes them greater than the others. The what we call Rex Factor. Exactly. But these and those categories are Graham. They are battleliness, so how good they are at fighting and warfare. Yeah, uh, scandal, how much notoriety and infamy yeah. they manage to cause. Subjectivity, which is whether you want to be a subject, so whether yeah. they were just ruler. How long they ruled for, how many children they had. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Right. So this week, as the intro said, we have a chap called Edgar the Peaceable, which if you're like me, I don't no. blame you for never having heard <laughs> of. And quite frankly, I, you could be making these fellas up. Until you hit 1066, my knowledge is zero. I don't know. We're fairly close to someone you've heard of. Okay. Ethelred, the only way that you'll have heard yeah, of him. Yeah. He's not very far away now. We're getting towards familiarity. Right. Slowly but surely. Okay, good. But to remember where we've been, um, Edgar is the fourth of the boy kings. He's the last, is that the first? No, he's not. There are oh. six. Six boy kings. Six. <laughs> the last of whom is Ethelred. He doesn't look like a boy king from the card I've got here. Well, the, the joy of Edgar is that he actually lasts a little bit longer than the ones we've had previously. So he's got a chance to... He's got a bit of a chance. Do, something, uh, do you want to just say what he, what he well, looks like? Well, yeah, he's, 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 uh, he's looking more kingly. He's got his crown again. That's, that's, then we've got that sorted. He's warlike. I think, is that a key? What's is his pose? Ah, he's defiant. Mm. Arms crossed. Yeah. Yeah, he's not taking any from anyone. Indeed, he's yeah. not. Um, yeah, so we've had three previous kings, all had quite short reigns. So Edmund, who was Edgar's father, was murdered by a thief. Edred, his uncle, was seen off by a dodgy stomach. And his brother Edwig died maybe suspiciously young. Right. When his kingdom was a bit split. Do we think it was Edgar? No, he was only 16. Not by the name throne. as well, I suppose. Not by the name. Well, the peaceable... Oh, I see, indeed. Well, that might not, as we will see, refer to his nature so much as his rule. Okay. Ooh. And he's the 29th grandfather of... Sorry, 29th great-grandfather of Elizabeth II. Yeah. Getting closer. Getting closer, <laughs> bit by bit. And he oversees something of a golden age for Anglo-Saxon England. 
Right. So, you know, when um, all these people... Uh, this might about this might flag up some incredible ignorance by me, but... <laughs> Go ahead. You have uh, William and Mary coming in from uh, Holland. Uh, William comes in from Holland, not Mary. Huh? Mary well, we'll get there. We'll yeah, get another hundred years. Ma- Mary is uh, James II's sister, which is how they make it more legitimate when okay. William comes over because he marries and they rule jointly. So that, okay, I'm just trying to see if there is a direct link. We're, yeah, we're skipping a thousand years here. Just 29 grandfathers, <laughs> and they come in from all over the place. Yeah. All right, okay, well, we'll get through. Through. We're, we're going to do them all. So. Yeah, we will, we'll cover it all. Uh, just as though we had a message from uh, one of our listeners, Louise. Hello, Louise. Hello, Louise, who said that she's listened to not one but two podcasts over the weekend, thought they were very good, but thought maybe you were a bit harsh on, as she calls him, the chap with the tummy problems, i.e. Edred. <laughs> and that uh, he didn't let it hold him back and wondered whether maybe that was what contributed to his rotting teeth. Well, yes, it's a... What? Because he had rotting teeth in the end, as well as his stomach. He ended oh, up well, dying the, oh, the okay, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's an interesting idea that um, he used, you know, that's what drove him on. Yeah. His disability, but... Um, and killed him, ultimately. Yeah, so, you know, win some, lose some. Yeah, but thanks for that, Louis. Yeah, if you've got it. an email, rexfactorpodcast at hotmail.com. Mm. But for now, Edgar. Edgar. So he's born in eight, uh, not eight. He's born in nine four three. As I said, the younger son of Edmund the first. Um, but oddly, we don't actually have a lot of great biography for him. So the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle focuses more on the reforms that he did in um, the Benedictine reforms. Dunstan. 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 That's a castle. I always say Dunstan. Dunstan. You just want castles. I do. Dun. Dunstan. Dunstan. Is he, do we have anything from him? Because he's... Oh, he's yeah, he's, he, he'll be there. So there are only ten references to Edgar for the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle in this period. Um, but And Sir Frank Stenton, who... Apologies, Louise, I'm mentioning a historian here. He's one of these people. You know how when you do history at school and you have revisionism? Mm. So you have the traditional view and they say, but then revisionists came mm. in mm. and said that the old stuff was rubbish. He's one of the old people who used to say what things were. <laughs> then revisionists come in and say, no, it's rubbish. Okay. But he said um, that Edgar's reign was singularly devoid of recorded incident. I not a lot happens. Now, this isn't entirely true. Are you revisionist? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> such a revisionist. I'm going to revise you, Mr. Stenton. Sir, Mr. Stenton. Oh. Yeah. Um, but he's not great for biography, so we're doing it a bit differently this week. Rather than doing a big biographical chunk at the start and telling a story, mm. we're going to do a little bit of biography, but then look in more detail at each of the sections. Oh, uh, the factors. Yeah, each of the factors, so battliness. See, we, we've had, been having a think about this, and we think it'll be easier to do it this way when we have more uh, stuff to go on. So when we, after the Norman Conquest, it'll be much easier to go through it <clears throat> traditional Top Trump style. But when we didn't have much before, it was... We need to give some background. Yeah, there wasn't enough of the factors, so you have to just tell everything you've got yeah, and yeah. then pick out the bits. But for Edgar, we've got lots of bits, but not all well hung together. Okay. Let's anyway, go. so 943 is born. Um, his grandmother, if you remember, Eidgifu, mm. who his old brother, Edwig, hadn't much liked. Mm. But she's quite a big influence on him, and she's much, very much an adherent to this Benedictine reform, which, to say, it's monasticism, which is quite a hard, um, steely, cold one. Where everything's, oh, a, bit, cool. everything's yeah. a bit grim. Yeah. Um, he's fostered by the half king Athelstan, who we mentioned last week. Yes. Who's also pro Benedictine. But isn't Athelstan. But isn't Athelstan. <laughs> and he's tutored by a chap called Ethelwold, who later becomes a bishop, thanks to Edgar. And he is also 
pro-Benedictine. So basically he's brought up by these people with this set of views, and this is what did for Edwig, because he didn't really support them and their reforms. Are we going to see a chap a bit more like Alfred than a bit pious? Well, we're certainly going to see a chap who's very much focused on advancing the reform process. However, um, he does a lot more as well. So he comes to the throne at 959, having already been kind of sub-king in Mercia in Northumbria. And uh, indeed, one of the first things he does, actually, is because remember Odo the Severe, mm-hmm. Archbishop of Canterbury? Yeah. He dies in uh, 958, actually. And then his successor, Elfsiege, undertook a winter journey to Rome to get his pallium. His what? Pallium. It's when you become, you get your sort of thing from the arch, you, uh, from the Pope. To say you... Archbishop. Your certificate. Yeah, your certificate. Okay. <laughs> it's 50 metres. Yeah, you, you've done your 2,000 miles to Rome. Froze to death. Well, Because it was winter. Um, and Edwig, On the way? Yeah. <laughs> Edwig appointed someone else, but as soon as Edgar comes in, he brings back Dunstan from exile. Froze to death? Hang on. Where? Just, like, on the road? I think so, yeah. That's mental. It's life's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> he, he shouldn't have gone in winter, really. No. Found that wrong, Went for the spring. So Edgar's first thing, he brings back Dunstan, makes him Archbishop of Canterbury, and this very much sets the tenor of the major thing, which is the Benedictine, Benedictine reforms. Yeah, and that's what the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle focuses on. However, he does other things as well. So there's a lot of laws and justice that he imposes throughout the kingdom, secures the borders internally and sort of externally. So we've got a united England in here now. There's not a north-south business. No, no, no. And yeah, and he oversees this golden age where we've got peace, stability and security. Right. But the one biographical thing which we will focus on, which comes outside of the factors, is his coronation. Which is a 973. Sounds good. What's happened? Well, if you're paying attention, which <laughs> maybe you're not at the moment, you'll note that 973 is quite a long time after 959 when he became king. Yes, it so is. So he's actually, he probably gets crowned early on, but he has a second coronation, which they debate why, whether it's because he wasn't mature enough in Dunstan's eyes. Or and whatever. how old was he when he came along? 16? He was 16 when he became king, but now this is 14 years later, so he's, well, he's 29 going on 30. But it's a huge show of power and dominance over the whole of Britain and shows just how much he has really extended his influence. So initially it's at Bath, which at this point was still had lots of old, fabulous Roman buildings, mm. connotations of this old great history mm. and of Britannia. So he has this ceremony there. Everyone around him, he mints a special coin to celebrate. He's into his coins as mm. Edgar. And it was all lots of significance. It was on the 11th of May, which is the Pentecost. He was in his 30th year, which is when the people can be consecrated in the clergy. And then he goes off in triumph, marches up to Chester with his army, meets his navy there, and there eight sub-kings row him, row as in on a boat, from a royal palace to the monastery of St John the Baptist on the River Dee with Edgar at the helm. And this is a thing showing how his dominance is completely accepted, that they row him. Right. It's the year 973. And so we've got kings like... And this is great. We said about the Saxons, how they their names have sort of fallen by the wayside, mm. although they're not so much Edgar. But Scotland, they're all still there. So we've got Malcolm of Cumbria, Donald of Strathclyde, and my particular favourite, Kenneth of Scotland, which is <laughs> the least macho king there. So all the kings are rowing the king yeah. across the river. Yeah. That's such a bad idea. 
Well, yeah, all exactly. the basket. <laughs> it is a little bit like Star Trek when everyone who can run the ship goes down onto the planet. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> they just want one crash and they're all dead. My word! But you've still got Dunster kicking around. He'll probably put some. Oh yeah, it's all his. It's all his idea, he's, definitely. He's but this is a, this is a big. So this is all the kings of Scotland and Wales. All these sub kings are physically rowing him with him at the helm, standing tall and proud. So you think previously we've had all these sort of wars yeah. and battles like Brunenburg. Mm. Now they are actually willing to demonstrate that right. he's completely superior. And the significance of the rowing, anything there, or the place they're going to? I'm not sure exactly why they decide to row. I don't know if he's a man after your heart. And Dunstan <laughs> said, look, we need somehow to really show them what's what. get a boat in there somewhere? Boat? Have a boat? <laughs> uh, let's hope. So this is the high point of Anglo-Saxon England. It's never been more grand, more powerful, more absolutely set. Really? This is great power, yeah. This is the peak. And unfortunately, he doesn't get to live it for very long, because two years later, in 975, he dies, rather unexpectedly, just 32 years old. Of? And they don't know. This is a no post-mortem, unfortunately, (laughs) report. (laughs) They must have got lost along the way somewhere. No, there's no suggestion why he died, but certainly no one's expecting it, and there's no suggestion... A foul play because he was so so yeah, integral yeah. that you know mm. they didn't want rid of him. So that's him. That's him dead. Not long after he's shown how powerful is he. That's it. So it's a golden age. It's a golden age, and we're going to explore why factor by factor. Let's get factoring. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Battleiness. Well, this is the tricky thing. This is going to be an interesting one, because technically he never fights any battles at all. Zero. However, (laughs) it depends how we're judging and defining this, because the reason that he never has to fight a battle is because the country is so powerful in terms of military, and particularly the navy, that no one would dare attack. Why wasn't he expanding? 
what, invading other places? Yeah. Well, I suppose you could say that. But there's a threat to the 960s of Viking raids again. Oh, so yeah. he really gets up for the Navy, warns of complacency, demands his sub-king and ultimate. The Navy's elderman. pretty good. That's pretty weird in that, that time. Well, this is the thing. He, he holds annual naval exercises during the summer, and he has three fleets. So one, uh, one in the east, one in the west, one in the north, each with about 1,200 ships. Wow! And what they do is they patrol all the way around Britain, partly to inure the country to warfare and saying, look, you've got to be ready for this, this is what it's all about but mainly to say anyone else, you are not getting in here. That's amazing. So a huge, it's huge brilliant. navy. And, um, That's many, many times bigger than the navy today. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> wow. In the Second World War, it had been over by Christmas. Yeah, well, yeah, over by Christmas. Wow. So he's got this huge navy, and as they say, no one is able to invade in this period because it's just so powerful. He also has a standing army up in the north, just in case there's a bit of bother. Yeah. And he demands that his sub-kings have a sort of conscription, both the navy and the army. Mm. So he's got this sort of unassailable position that no one's going to dare attack him. And this is uh, illustrated, I don't know if this is a true story or and one of these allegories, but um, Kenneth got himself into a bit of trouble, yeah. Royal Kenneth, Royal King Kenny. of Scotland, <laughs> because uh, Edward said to be very small in height and in build, yeah. and at some point Kenneth commented it was odd that so many of these provinces would submit to someone so small. So Edgar heard of this and wasn't too chuffed, so he led Kenneth into a wood, which, as we'll see later, is a bit of a dangerous position to be with Edgar. And uh, he had two swords with him, one of which he gave to Kenneth, and then he challenged him. As we are alone, you shall have an opportunity of proving your strength. I will now make it appear which of us two ought deservedly to command the other. Nor shall you stir a foot till you try the matter with me, for it is disgraceful for a king to prate at a banquet and not be prompt in action. Oh. At which point Kenneth prostrates himself. Uh, begs for forgiveness, which he receives, and Edgar's like, yeah, yeah that's the way. Boston. And that's that's the way it is for other countries. Anyone tries to invade, they just it, melt away. He? Really... So he's absolutely bossed it. So he's got to this position where he's so strong that no one would actually dare invade, which is really better than yeah. having to fight so all the time. So he's in uh, um, he's in Australasia, building up and up and up and up. In that game, Risk. Risk, yeah, that's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. So I suppose that's why he's not invading, because he thought he had more years left in him. Yeah, so you'd never invade Maybe. at this point. He's got such yeah. a strong navy there. Okay. So it's how, how do we judge that then? Do we say purely we're b- judging it on actual war, battle, or do we count defence as have a proactive measure? Do we have king or queen we can compare this to? Uh, I mean, not one we've had so far. No, but I mean, Elizabeth II, she didn't really fight any wars. I mean, <laughs> no. at all, but <laughs> under her there was the Falklands. So I suppose if we said Elizabeth I, what would we say about the Spanish Armada? Oh, I suppose that was a war, wasn't yeah. it? Because we sort of fought against them. It's defensive. It's good, though. It's very that, good. Maybe that's, that's subjectivity. Maybe this is subjectivity. It's partly, but... Mm. It seems harsh to give him a low score for battliness just because he was so good that he didn't get attacked. Well, what have we compared? What have we got? Well, up? before Alfred got on 11, Edward the Elder 13 and a half. Our best so far was Athelstan 17 because he went around the whole country in yeah. the massive battle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Edmund was 10 and a half. He won it all back. He's probably around. But you see, we had difficulty with Edmund because he won it all back. We we're saying, well, he, you know, why was he in that position anyway? Yeah. Because he lost it. Originally. So it's kind of. I think it's a similar score, but if you're reading through the notes, you'd realise that actually this chap's yeah. in a better footing. Mm. But without fighting battle, I don't think you'd go better than halfway. Mm. Really. So you're thinking a five there? Yeah. I'm going to give him a six, just because it's it's so impressive. 
Because you think in the history of the island, at the points in its history when it's been unassailable, are pretty much non-existent. So it's quite quite an achievement by him that he's he's managed to get to this yeah. point. Uh, maybe 19th century uh, Britain. But... Well, not the start. No. Napoleon. No, Napoleon, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, yeah. So five yeah. and six, so that's 11 for battliness, same as Alfred. Well, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. He's got to be pleased with yeah, that. He should, he should be pleased. <laughs> yeah. well, well done, Edgar. Good yeah. start. Scandal. Right, um, so we haven't got on to his Benedictine reforms yet, but as yeah. we know, lots of monkey stuff. Lots of all that. Monkey business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, what are we like? <laughs> However, despite being loved by the monks and revered by chroniclers, he had something of a legendary sexual appetite. Basically, if you imagine, you remember that Alfred has his hang-up about carnal lust. Yeah. Edgar's like that, except no guilt whatsoever. He He's just completely it. indulges <laughs> all over the place. Brilliant. He's like, who, so what relation is he to the chap who had the threesome? Edward, he's his younger brother. He's his younger brother? Yeah. So, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> These right. brothers. Runs in the family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, tell me about it. So, let's have a few examples of Shall this. We? Uh, let's start with The Maid of Andover. That's... Definitely the title of a porn film. <laughs> Go well, he got his hand over. Yeah. Um, so Edgar fell for this beautiful daughter of a nobleman in Andover, mm. and um, he went to stay there, and he demanded that he got to spend the night with her, which apparently wasn't an uncommon thing for him to demand from his Is courtiers. Right? Well, I mean, we're, we're being fairly jovial about it. Probably there's an extent to which he's pushing the boundaries, but I guess the boundaries are less well-defined at this point. Mm, can't judge them by today's standards but still <coughs> I'd feel uncomfortable yeah. that's <laughs> well the yeah. parents are pretty uncomfortable at this as well so what they do is they get their maid servant to go into bed with him instead so sort of trick him oh they say here's sorry my I said he'd fallen in love no he'd heard that she was beautiful so, oh, he so they said here's my daughter yeah so he went to bed with her did his business but then in the morning he found out that it wasn't their daughter it was just a maid servant so he's a bit peeved at this, what he does is he confiscates all of their lands, all of their property, snatches it away, and then makes the maidservant mistress above the family. So he makes her in charge of the land. He gives it to her wow. instead of Does them. he still get to play with the daughter? <coughs> no, he doesn't. But oh, he still well. plays a bit more with the maidservant because well. he quite likes her. Well, Next up, Wolf Hilda, mm. who he pursued unsuccessfully. He's not having any luck, is he? <laughs> no, indeed. But uh, particularly notable because she was, in fact, a nun at Wilton, mm. that he went. But she uh, ran off because, obviously, being a nun, she didn't particularly fancy mm. uh, being uh, the of the clean. But, uh, King, so, but he recognised her piety, made her an abbess at Barking, oh. which was nice. Yeah. But learning from his mistake, he then kidnapped another nun from Wilton called Wolfrith. Right. And no mistake this time, so he takes her away, has his way with her, has a child by her. Does she like him? I'm not sure she does, <laughs> to be honest. Sorry, little, yeah. um, so she, this is a daughter called Edith, and the fact that we suggest he doesn't particularly like him is that he sort of wants to marry her because she was born of a noble family. Right. So he, she's still extractable from the holy yeah. life, as it were. But as soon as she's able to, she escapes and takes her daughter back to Wilton. Right. Up until that point, everyone's happy. Yeah. The servants, now mistress. Yeah. He, he didn't get to... Yeah. Well, oh. she's not happy. Yeah. Um, and this is particularly scandalous. So Dunstan um, orders that he can't wear his crown for seven years. We're not sure if that's true, because that maybe then gives rise to the why he wasn't coronated until 973, 
because it was he was paying penance for his uh, yeah, naughtiness. Yeah. Next up, Elfrith. Is what is next? What is blimey? This right. isn't a nun. This is a a, a beautiful uh, daughter of a Devonshire thane called Aldgar. Yeah. And he's been married at this point. Wife has died, so he decides he's going to take another wife. So he's a little bit more wholesome at the moment. He's thinking about dynasty mm. rather than just mm. having sex with whoever he wants. Presumably because he can't have sex with whoever he wants. Yeah, it's weird. Unless yeah. they try and stop him. Yeah. So he sends one of his great friends, Ethelwold, but not the bishop, mm. someone else, um, to go to East Anglia where she is, report back on her, to him and say whether she's and peaceful. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever, yeah. Whether she's up to his standards. Yeah. And when Ethelwell goes down, he finds that she really is very beautiful and he falls in love with her and he marries her. Oh, dear. So he's like there. Edgar he's says... bishop. No, he's not the bishop. No, he's not yeah, bishop. Yeah. So Edgar says, so, you remember that uh, girl I told you to find out? You, oh, she was very plain. I married her, but she's not, not for you. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I might just come down and uh, see for myself. Look, yeah. So Ethelwell panics and says, look to his wife, Ethelwith, sorry about this. But uh, you need to make yourself as plain and stupid and ugly as possible when the king comes down because I've really screwed up here and I'm in trouble if you look good. She hadn't realised that there was a chance of being queen, so she does the complete opposite, makes herself up as best as she possibly can, is radiant and resplendent in front of Edgar. Ooh, not just a hat rack, is she? Indeed, she's, well, she gets a bit of reputation, this one. Edgar's not too chuffed about this, so he takes Ethelwold into the woods for a bit of a chat. Oh, again? Yeah. Comes back on his own to report that uh, Ethelwold has accidentally, brutally shot himself in the back with an arrow whilst hunting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and uh, Edgar marries Elfrith quite soon afterwards. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, everyone sees through that. I think it's pretty well known that he kills Ethelwold. At what point does it um, become, you know, not such a good thing for a king to start murdering everyone? Because at this point, you can get away <laughs> literally with murder. He, pr- he pretty much is getting away with murder, Henry VIII rape, kidnapping, of. nuns. Henry VIII does it through the legal system, but he's just popping off his enemies. Yeah. But Edgar so just takes him point. into the woods. Yeah, Edgar goes, well, it was... Do you want a picnic? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> In fairness to the Saxon legal system, it's said to be a hunting accident. Right. Which is a common form of death for a few kings in the Norman Rufus. period as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's what I've got for Scandal, which is the longest Scandal section I think we've had thus far. Deservedly. So, He's... massive Scandal from Edgar. So, that, so hang on. No, I'll get that to that later. That's coming up. Look <laughs> forward to that. <laughs> so, I'm... I'm the biggest giving... score we've had so far is ten and a half for Edwig, and that was really just because he had that threesome. Whereas oh, Edgar damn, just... I wish, I wish I'd done that now. Edgar rushes off all over the place. He's... That's ten and a half between the two of us. Yeah, but I'm thinking about Henry VIII again. Yeah, Henry VIII's going to be big. So it's going to be bigger than this, but yeah. I want to give this a lot more than five. Oh, I'm... yes. So saying that, I'm going 7.5. 7.5, well, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to give him an eight. So he's murdered he's someone, it. tick. He's putting it about... And then took centre. his wife. And then took his wife. He's putting it about... Kidnapped a nun and had Kidnapped a, a nun. Pursued another one. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, I see what you mean. What, I mean, what else could be conceivably... You know, actually, I'm going to go up to the nine, I think. This is proper tabloid headline stuff. Is there any drink or drugs? You've got to assume it for this period, haven't you? Well, he's, um, there's another criticism, criticism of him, is that he liked foreigners too much, which is because they all flock to his court, because he's 
such a good, uh, well, such a great king, as we can tell by all of these deeds. <laughs> he's having a way of going to England, and he's criticised because they bring across to them uh, drunkenness, um, leisure of body, Ooh, eight, and all sorts of things. It's so eight. it's it loads really of stuff. is tabloid, isn't it? So you're giving an eight. I'm giving a nine. That's seventeen by far. Our highest score. Who's this guy? Edgar. Edgar. Edgar the Peaceable. Edgar the Peaceable. (laughs) Yeah. Subjectivity. So, he's raping and uh, not fighting people. There's a pun in his name. I'm just trying to think what it is. Edgar the Peaceable. Well, the reason why he is peaceable is under subjectivity. Um, And let's just start, actually, with a dream, apparently, that Alfred had a few years before his death. Alfred Um, the... Great. Alfred the Great. Where he said that he saw this future where in years to come people might build many a fine wall and put up a peerless building, build a farm enclosure with them and may dwell therein pleasantly and at his ease through winter and summer as I have not yet done. Just a little bit melancholy for Alfred when you think all these things which these kings are doing, which you can see this is setting up all these things which leads to all these great stuff in the future, they never get to see it. Mm. Edgar, however, well, that's good, though. does get to see it. And so this is the this is the first. This is the realization, in a sense, of Alfred's dream for this safe Wessex. See, Alfred, Alfred's brilliant like that. So he was he was fighting then. If having this dream, you can assume that he was sort of fighting and trying to build a country. He was definitely he was doing it for, for an idea. He, he was an yeah. idealist. It wasn't just wanting power. No, he was actually trying to build a society. In the, if he, um, hence why he then learnt Latin so that he could teach. Right, messages and the good I can't remember who said it. People. But there's something like society grows great when an old man plants a tree, knowing that he'll never get to this, sit in the shade of it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind lovely. of what he, what yeah. Alfred's doing. Exactly. Oh, can we go back and remark <laughs> Alfred? Well, he got the Rex factor, so he'll be there oh, when okay, we come well, to Justin at the yeah, end. Okay, brilliant. Um, but Edgar does get to sit under the shade of the tree. Yeah. Which partly you could say the benefits of all that's gone before. Wow. God, there's a loose splinter there. <laughs> <laughs> And, but also partly for a lot of the stuff that he does. So, the Benedictine reforms, yeah. the monastic stuff, he essentially sponsors this sort of clerical triumvirate. So we've got Dunstan, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury, Ethelwold, who's not the one that gets done in and back the in the bishop. woods, the bishop, and also a chap called Oswald. And the issue that these people had was that the clergy had become um, contaminated by secular people. So noble families would just sponsor someone to become an abbot. Because it was a, yeah, so, so that they'd have dominance of the there. area. And then that abbot wouldn't really live according to the proper rules so that they would mm. get married, have children, lots of land, drink, etc. Yeah. All very improper stuff. So Edgar supports um, attacks on the cler- these secular clergy, as he calls them, so they steal the land back, steal the property away yeah. from these essentially quite powerful aristocratic families. And then they put in new, proper Benedictine people in their place. Right. Which is a tough thing to do, which could only have happened with a strong king really being behind it, to the extent that in 975 he imposes this standardised rule across all monasteries, all nunneries have to be run on this particular on Benedictine. Benedictine. Yeah. Positives of this, better organised and learned churches than they've ever had before. Yeah, about 40 monasteries get founded in this period. And it helped bring about quite a cultural blossoming, so we see really good manuscripts, poetry, paintings, etc., because that all comes from the monasteries in yeah. this period. So we see a cultural flowering yeah. at this point. Bad oh. news for this is, however, that purging the old powers in favour of the new creates a lot of divisions, which is fine for when Edgar's king, because he's strong enough to rule over it. But as we'll see later, 
stirs up yeah. trouble for the future. Yeah, okay. Laws and justice he's also quite big on. So through winter and spring, he used to make this annual progress across England, inquiring into how justice was being administered by all his chaps. To make back sure to the floor that, exercise. Back to the floor, yeah, yeah. Making sure that they were doing as they were meant to do. So he's keeping the administrators in check, but he's very, very, very strict on his crime and punishment. This is, again, the Daily Mail. They would love him because he, <laughs> not only has he got the sex scandals that sell the papers, but he is also tough. He's on, a proper Tory, isn't he? Proper Tory. He's tough on crime yeah, and tough then on the tougher cause. on crime. He doesn't care about the causes. <laughs> no, tough, no, tough, he's just tough on crime. Tough on crime. So really draconian laws. So you could have your tongue ripped out at best, apparently, for stealing an apple, and thieves could be comprehensively mutilated. Good grief. And uh, so, and he clarified the nature of the iron weight to be used for torturous ordeals. It's very specific. Very specific. You've got to, and, you've you got know, to get you, that right. You don't commit a crime. Is that the one where you have period. an iron uh, slate slab placed on you and you just quietly, or not so quietly, slowly <laughs> crush to death and suffocate eventually? Because you need to use all your strength to keep your lungs inflated. I'm not sure, can't possibly. I'm not sure. Oh, I saw that. Might I didn't be. see it, but I saw the, the <laughs> weighty thing. Legally, you didn't. <laughs> oh, it's awful. What is the, what's the golden <laughs> age for, um, for torture? Uh, that's it's not a question really asked. Normans. Henry VIII loved his torture as well. I mean, that, yeah. He was quite specific Fantastic about it. The period was pretty good. Yeah. I guess it gets more sort of organised under yeah, after the Tudors. You've definitely. Got, yeah. And technology, of course, improves. Hmm. Yeah. Tudors are great, aren't they? Yeah. But we'll get there. Mm. For now, Edgar, he's, uh, he's punishing criminals very, very t- hard, which means that crime, I imagine, is probably low. Mm. Um, I, I'm sure there were statistics which said that it was falling yeah. <laughs> on an annual basis, yeah. as it has been ever since. Political satire. Yeah, <laughs> satire. Tell me, tell me. Were the uh, serious crimes going up? Oh, oh. Yeah. Knife crimes. <laughs> Knife crimes shooting up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he also, he spent his formative years in East Anglia, as I said, with the half-king Athelstan. And that was the sort of old Dane law. So he was quite indebted to the sort of Danish influence. Mm. So what he did to ensure that he didn't have any trouble up north was that he allowed the Danish to live by their own rules and their own laws. So he recognised them as being substantial and good things. So thing. there is a bit of division. There's a bit of division, which some historians did criticise him for, because he does allow, legally, that bit to be different from the South. But it's only legal, it's not cultural anymore. No, it's just the legal system that he allows them to do whatever they want. Okay. And he also reforms the sort of the hundreds and the shires, which is the sort of local government mm. structure, which apparently meant that that stayed pretty much until 1974, not particularly changed when they had local government reforms. It's the oh, shire wow. system that he... Yeah. Not all him, I think others have done it as well, but largely him. He is that when S has got smaller than 1974? Probably, damn it. Mm. And as I say, coinage was a big thing for him. So Athelstan had started to give a consistent approach to this to get everything a bit more steady yeah. across the country, but you still see a lot of variety if you go from place to place. Under Edgar, he absolutely standardises the weights and measures to make sure that it really will look and feel the same. and also has the standard text Rex Anglorum on all coins. King of England? King of England. And, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, good points. <laughs> Um, so he decreed that one coinage is to be current throughout all the king's dominion, and no man is to refuse it. Yeah. And apparently that remained largely unchanged until King Stephen. What was that, 1140? So yeah, 11, sort of mid-11th century. So again, we're seeing things that he's putting in place stay for a long time. 
And finally, apparently, he rid England and Wales of wolves. That's a bit of a shame. Well, it's not entirely I mean, true. Not for subjectivity. No, because they were causing havoc amongst flocks. So what he did, quite convenient, cleverly, he converted Welsh tributes. Rather than paying him lots of money, they had to provide 300 wolves' heads mm. to show that they were dealing with it. And he pardoned all criminals on the condition that they brought him a certain number of wolf tongues relevant to the crime that they committed. So it was thought that within three or four years, all the wolves were gone from England and Wales. Actually, they were sort of still lingering about until Henry VII, but nevertheless, everyone thought Edgar got rid of the wolves. Really? Until Henry VII? They were still about, yeah. I just thought it would be much later than that. Real shame. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, then we could be brought back. Yeah. That's another issue. And that's it for subjectivity. (laughs) So we've got Benedictine reforms... Uh, which has some cultural benefits. We've got the law and justice, which is pretty rigorous, but nevertheless peaceful. So that, I forgot this, this lovely quote, it was said that a pregnant woman could walk up and down the country with a sack of gold on her back without any concern whatsoever. Such was the security and stability. Who said that? Just the Saxons. Unlikely. I suspect, yes. (laughs) A bit unlikely. But nevertheless, it's a story that illustrates... Relative to a very, very violent context, we think the wars of the previous people, yeah. Edmund, his father, the killed stability. by a thief. Yeah. So you've got a lot of stability, you've got a lot of reforms encouraging um, cultural stuff, and you've got a lot of fun going on in court. Um, sounds good. Pretty good. On the other hand, yeah, as I say, very harsh on criminals. You think where Athelstan got less cruel things like not killing children, Edgar's not. Wanting to kill children, but he's not. Fair. He's not Maybe a soft they liberal. Stayed, though. I, yeah, he's, they stay, but he's not a soft liberal. No. Uh, we don't see, as we're saying for Alfred, that idealism. We don't really see any idealism for Edgar or any particular love for his people. Mm. It's more about his power and his dominance. Mm. But you know, it benefits the Anglo-Saxons. This is seen as a golden age in terms I, of what I, I came can't before him. and what came afterwards. I think that's it's what, much if people better. do feel safer. Mm. Uh, I mean, this is... I'm not... As long as you're not a nun. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not saying this as a um, position on my on uh, Law and Order today. <laughs> but I think maybe in 975... Uh, yeah. People felt a lot safer, hence that um, pre- pregnancy quote. Yes. Um, I, I, and people say it was a golden age. Safer, all these navies patrolling around like the American bombers. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good. I can't, I mean, golden age, they yeah. say. What are you going to give him? Out of ten, ooh, that's big, another eight. Ooh, I'm going to give him a seven, just because he, he should have, I felt he should, to really get high in this, you need to show a little bit more. Okay, hello, hang on, hang on, hang on, I need to think about this. What's <laughs> going to be another really good subjectivity one? Because that's really high eight, isn't it? It's pretty high, but you, wouldn't, you can go eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, ten from there. Okay, no, I have been a little bit influenced. I'm not. So <laughs> here, I'm going down to seven just because I want to give myself some leeway. Okay, that's two sevens. So that's fourteen subjectivity, which is our second highest. He's doing really oh, no, well. Third highest. He's He's, doing... He is flying at the moment. Yeah, longevity. <laughs> longevity. Yes, longevity. Longevity. Right. Nine five nine to nine seven five. So that's sixteen years, that's... which isn't 
bad. It's our third highest so far. It's nowhere near Alfred or Edward, who are up in the 20s. No, but... we had a 7, 9 and a 4 before, and so people yeah, must so be Yeah, so he's much better. Only 32, so you'd have thought he might have gone for at least another 10, if not 20 years. Mm. But nevertheless, it's not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Dynasty, not the programme. You'd imagine he'd have about 100, surely. In terms of the ones that are actually recorded, he has three children by three women. So the first one in his, is his first wife, Ethelfled Enida, who is known as the White Duck. And uh, by her, he has Edward, who is his oldest son and becomes king after him. Next up, Wulfrith, the nun, by whom he has a daughter, Edith. And then Elfrith, his final wife, by whom he had Ethelred. And they also had a son, Edmund, who dies as a child. Okay. So three. Three. Three, which isn't, isn't too bad. None too bad. Again, the last couple haven't had any, so... It's not Edward the Elder stuff, is it? Not Edward the Elder, but it's not bad. So that three takes him up to a total of 61 points, which wow. is second only to Alfred. Oh, Alfred. Which is all really the longevity. Alfred the Great. He's annoying. So, now our final question. Does he have that extra quality to take him to... Rex Factor! I'd really like to say yes. The trouble is, I've never heard of him. <laughs> you haven't heard of Athelstan either. You haven't heard of most of these. Yeah. I think the last few have just been absolute no's. There wasn't even any point questioning it. We just instantly said no. Edgar, there's clearly a very strong there's case. There's a strong case, yeah. So the case four, golden age for Anglo-Saxons. It never, it's never as good as this before and it's never as good as again. So this is the peak of this period. 16 years of peace, stability, security... Monastic and legal reforms, a vast army and navy that means that no one ever dares invade the kingdom. He holds it all together through a really powerful rule, so strong that he never has to fight a battle. And when he's standing there, sword in hand, on being rowed along by the other kings with his crown on, he must have looked like he had a Rex Factor. Absolutely. As long as he wasn't wearing a life vest or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he said that time how great it's going to be for anyone else coming after me to be king of England because you're properly king of all England. Look at all this. Yeah. I'm thinking if you're going to give it to any of the Saxons, and I'm fairly um, secure um, about who I'm going to give it to <laughs> after, after the Saxons come along. Um, uh so it's got to be Alfred, Athelstan, and then presumably this guy. Well, I'll just quickly but, make the case against. Mm. He is he does benefit from the fact that Alfred, Edward, Athelstan, Edmund, Edred have all done a lot of hard work to get the kingdom to this point. So mm. that he doesn't have to fight these battles initially because they've already been fought, you could say. He, may, he, can, he not keeps fault, it going. Though. Not his fault. Standing on the shoulders of giants and all that. Arguably a harsh ruler, um, sexual indiscretions whilst... Fun also caused a bit of room for doubt in the succession. Oh, Dunster. <laughs> and oh, God. <laughs> you Dunster. Edgar's the last king before, well, even before 1066, who doesn't have a disputed succession. And partly this is because his wives, whether they're wives or concubines, means that there's a bit of tension and division after he dies as to who would, gets yeah, to take over. It would have been good if he'd had one wife and then done all this, indis- you know, all this yeah. naughty, naughty. Uh, and he's almost, in a way, he's a bit like Henry VIII in the sense that he's a powerful ruler who causes lots of disruption through religious reform. Mm. Divided court, which he is able to control because he's so powerful, mm. but it's a bugger of an inheritance mm. for his sons mm. and a boy son as well that comes after another child. So he doesn't make it very easy. On the other hand, 
although it's a disputed succession, the kingdom remains united as one. So geographically, it doesn't split again. Built up the navy. Built up the navy. No one's going to attack. He leaves a pretty strong position, nevertheless. We've both got to agree on this, haven't we? We do. Um, I'm. I think I'm going to say yes. I'm not going to fight for him in the way that I had to fight for Athelstan. Well, what, how is this guy different to Athelstan? How would you? What would? What Athel's, did this guy have that Athelstan didn't? What and vice versa? Um, Athelstan had the fact that Athelstan fought all the battles. So Athelstan went around the whole country and really fought. So Athelstan's the first one that really creates the sort of. So we're kind of formation. assuming there that, uh, that a king in this age has to be a battle. Well, king. that's what Athelstan did, but that's what it had to do to get the kingdom roughly towards England. Yeah. And Athelstan was quite pious again, lots of stuff going on with the monasteries. But Edgar takes the security to another level, he takes the monastic reforms to another level. Athelstan did ban uh, Battle of Brunenburg. He had a massive battle. Is it what's it called Brunenburg? Brunenburg. Brunenburg. Mm, you see that's in his favour to me. It is in his favour. But it's not you don't you don't have to discount Athelstan just because you're bringing in Edgar. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. It'd be good if we could have three Saxon Rex factors. Hmm. Because what? I think there's going to be... You want to balance... No, you don't... No, I think Rex factor comes along when it comes along. It should be absolute. It? If they've got it, they've got it. If they no, don't, they I don't. Can I, can I bring does he have it? I don't think I can give Rex factor to someone who doesn't fight a battle. Mm. I can't... I mean, yes, he's great. Mm. But... You want, as I say, you want that roaring <laughs> king with the sword in his hand, not sitting there going, you know, pass me another nun. <laughs> you don't need, I don't need to fight. Everyone knows how cool I am. Do you want a nun with that, sir? I think I will. Yeah, well, yeah. You got. I think he needs to prove it a bit more to me. Mm. I can't. I can't do it. It's going to be a no. It's got to be. I can't do it. That's a no on the X factor for Edgar. Bad luck. Bad. I feel bad. Do I you? He's. He's really great. I couldn't say it to his face. He's great. <laughs> he he's really you. great. He, and he killed you. Well, I mean, say I was... Um, what's that chap who... Uh, it's Bureau's reference, but he had the chap that no, everyone else could, no one else could see and he talked to the time travelling. It's called Kit or something. Uh, I could sing you the theme tune. <laughs> oh. Oh, no, you mean Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. If I was in Quantum Ow. Leap... Oh, yes. Kit. <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, yeah. Um, if I was that and I knew I could zip off I'd say it, but I'd, I'd feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> but you're no, not no, he's not good at it. That's a it. no for Edgar to the Rex Sorry, Factor. Edgar. Bad luck, you came very, very close. I don't think it's so bad, because as I say, he, he does benefit from what's gone before. Mm. So it's a great period, and he does well with what he's got. But he's, he's sitting pretty, isn't he? He doesn't take it onto another level. Yeah, and he's sitting there thinking, I have the Rex Factor. And for that presumed arrogance, Edgar, <laughs> No. No. So that's it from us. No Rex Factor to Edgar. Very close, but no cigar. Yeah. And uh, that's us done. Our longest one ever, in fact. Yeah. Well, lucky chaps. <laughs> lucky chaps. Lucky yeah. Edgar, almost. Uh, see you next time when we'll discuss Edward the Martyr. Oh. Edward the... I, I thought it would be the Unready. Oh, that's Ethelred. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. So, interesting. Another one I went heard of. <laughs> Indeed. As you can maybe guess from the title, perhaps not a long reign. Yeah. Okay. Until next time. Au revoir. Goodbye.